Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old from California, personal development junkie. I'm a loan officer by day, podcaster on the weekends. I've always loved listening to podcasts. My personal development journey started early in high school when my ex broke up with me, and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I googled how to get over your ex, and I went and saw all these articles about personal development and really working on yourself. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I got into one podcast. It all started with the School of Greatness with Lewis Howes, and then I just started to spiral and see Tony Robbins and just see everything and see everyone and listen to Angie Lee. And I've always wanted to start a podcast, but I've always gotten my own way. So I pushed it off for a couple years, and then I got furloughed from my job back in April. And I decided, you know what? Now's the time. It's either going to happen now or it's never going to happen. So I just did it, and I started. And I post. I sent all these DMs to so many different people. I thought so many people were going to say no. And to my surprise, a lot of people said yes. So I ended up overbooking myself, doing three to four interviews a day for the first couple weeks. Was furloughed for ten weeks and really maximized on that time and just did a ton of interviews. And it's been incredible getting to interview so many different people from so many different walks of life and just hear about their struggles and how they were able to overcome them and reflect back on their twenties. I've interviewed such a variety of people, from therapists to a chef who called off her engagement and called in the one, to a singer, to multi seven figure entrepreneurs, to a real estate investor who retired at twenty seven and is making over five figures of passive income every month. And it's been so incredible to hear these stories and these unfiltered conversations, and just being able to ask any question that I want. And if there's one thing I want you guys to get out of this podcast, it's just to really live full out because you never know when, you never know if you have tomorrow. We really only have today in this moment, so might as well just live full out. If any of these topics resonate or any of the episodes resonate with you, I would really love if you would leave a review and share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. Today's guest is Netta. I love chatting with her. We talk about her journey and how she started her company, Rise Up For You, the advice she would give someone who wants to start a company based upon personal development, her event, and she actually has the speakers sit in the audience and actually engage with the audience as well as speak on the stage, which was so cool to hear about and what inspired her to write her book and so much more. So let's get started. Well, thank you so much, Netta, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to know about your story. How did you get to the place you are right now? What has your journey looked like so far? Okay, well, that's a huge question, but I'll start from the beginning. So I actually used to be a performer. That's the first career that I ever had. And I used to tour around the world internationally, similar to Broadway, and sing and dance and empower people through the tool of music. And um, when I was on tour, I noticed that like the top struggles or the top challenges that we had, they really fell under two categories. One was like organizational challenges, like as a touring company. And then the second was individuals, but it was all common denominator. It was like people skills. It was the thoughts that we had, our mindset, our behaviors that got us into trouble, right? Or that created challenges with one another within a group or just individually. And so I always say like I was the best performer 
on tour and I always stood center stage, but I was never the best singer. So there was always two or three, and this will probably resonate with your audience. There was always two or three people that were way better singers than me technically, but yet they stood in the very, very back or they were put in the back of the choir or they weren't even on stage. And a lot of that had to do because of their mindset. It had to do because of their emotional and social intelligence. It had to do because of a lack of confidence that they didn't believe they deserved to stand. They didn't believe they were enough. And that's how they showed up. So even though they were way better singers than me, right, they sabotaged their own success. Um, and I, you know, I had women and men come up to me all the time and say, how do I stand in that spot? How do I do what you do? And I used to say, everything you need, you already have inside of you. The only difference between you and I is I believe it. And so I show up that way and you don't, right? So that's kind of really where all of this like personal professional development start started because I was un- trying to understand why people did that to themselves, why people got in their own way, why people self-sabotaged, why people got in the way of their own success. And it also interfered with how they behaved with one another, right? Hence the organizational problems that had to do with people. When I got done performing, I came back to California and I ended up becoming an executive. So at 27 years old, I was running a company with 200 professionals, most of them older than me, right? So in their 30, 40, 50s, PhDs, master's degrees, and the exact same thing was happening. It's like, you know, these grown professionals that had PhDs and master's degrees that spent their whole life educating themselves came to work. They were unhappy. They didn't have meaning. They weren't able to communicate effectively with the team members. And then the culture of the company was suffering, right? Along with their own personal success. And that's where I really recognize that a lot of the challenges that we deal with as either a company or as an individual comes down to the inner people skills. And then from there, I went through my own personal journey. I ended up going through a divorce. I got married and within two weeks, my husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore. And so I lost everything. I, cause I resigned from the company. I moved to Canada So I came back to California. All I had was two luggage and that all happened within two weeks. And it was that defining moment that I decided, okay, what's my next step? I'm either going to sit here and be depressed, not move forward, not do anything, or I'm going to rise up and do something. And that's where the company that I run today, Rise Up For You came from, where I recognize that everything we have is already inside of us. We just have to believe it, take action and make it happen. And for the past you know, four years I've been running Rise Up For You and today we're global. You know, um, I did a TEDx talk with the company. I just launched a book called Rise Up For You that's number one bestseller on Amazon for personal success and we're making an impact globally. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where, where we are today. It's incredible. Were you already into the personal work before that? So did you get into personal development then you started singing on stages and you were performing or... No. Did you just always subconsciously know that you had to do that in order to be in the front or how did that work? Yes, that's a good question. And so this is the question that a lot of people ask me is like, okay, where did you get your confidence from? Or where did you get your self-worth or your self-belief from? And really everything that you are today is accumulation of your past experiences, right? So it's your childhood, it's your, any teachers that you've had, friendships, people that have come into your life, they, they make you up right? Like you are the sum total of all of that. And I was fortunate enough to be born into a family with two parents 
that were very uplifting. They always taught my brothers and I to be confident and to love ourselves. And they always taught us to question things and to explore the world. And so naturally we were learners. We loved to learn. So there's two things that they did for us. A, they inspired learning, right? The growth mindset, but B, they taught us to always be confident and never put ourselves down. Never. So even if we fell on our face, they were like, great, get back up, try it again. You know what I mean? If we failed, great, you failed. Now let's try again so that we could be successful. So we always had that confidence in us that really served us. And so it really wasn't until I went on tour that I realized that, oh, not everyone's like this, right? In fact, most people aren't like this, right? Which is, which is really sad, which is why I do the work that I do. You know, I always say the greatest tragedy is wasted human potential. And it was when I started performing that I realized that most individuals, they struggle with the thoughts that are in their mind and the beliefs that they've held onto. And it gets in the way of them building the life that they're proud of. It gets in the way of relationships. It gets in the way of how they show up, how they communicate, and overall how they build success in their life. And learning how to perform, did you take that into speaking on stages and take that into the work you're doing now and kind of like transfer that over? Yeah. Yeah. So no experience is a wasted experience. And so anyone right now that's listening that maybe has a job and they're thinking, ah, like what, what am I doing here? What is this? Trust me, you'll be able to use it in the future. So I was performing. I didn't know that in, you know, four years or five years, I was going to be an executive standing in front of 200 people where I had to like engage. I didn't know that I was going to be a public speaker. Now I speak around the world. I had no idea. And so when I started doing that, it was very clear to me that all of the stuff that I was doing as a performer is now serving me in a different way. And so now I'm thankful that, you know, I could walk into a room and I could speak to a room of 10,000 people, no problem, because I performed to a room of 10,000 people, no problem. You know what I mean? And so it was just simply making a shift and everything that I learned as a performer, I can now put into the public speaking space, right? So how to read a room, how to read a room, how to read an audience, how to pivot on the spot. I could be mid-moment in a speech and feel if it's not working and then completely shift and do something different and nobody would know, you know? And all of that stuff came because of my first career as a performer that's now serving me in a different way. I have love for you to go into being an executive and, you know, you were the youngest person in the room. And you were in leadership and you had all these people looking up to you, but being the youngest person in the room, did that hinder you or any way? And how did you use that as not an excuse for you not being able to get that position? And how did you kind of leverage being the youngest person in the room versus looking at it like, I'm the youngest person in the room, I'm not qualified to do this? Right. So I think that there's a couple things here. So a lot of times as young adults, and I'm even going to say women, we project. Okay. And what I mean by that is because of what we hear in society and what we, the programming that we hear, we walk into a room thinking that they're going to think we're not good enough because we're young or thinking that they're not going to hire us because we're a woman and they're a room full of men, right? Sometimes we project these thoughts and the reality is, is they're not even thinking that at all. So I've never walked into a room. I never walked into a job interview. I never walked into anything with those thoughts. I never thought, you know, oh, I'm a Middle Eastern woman that's 26 years old. They're not going to give me. I don't think that way. My mind is I'm going to go 
show up, be the best that I can. And either they're going to hire me or they're not, but I'm just going to show up. Right. And so that's exactly what happened. You know, I went and I was 27 years old, but I was qualified. I had a master's degree in executive leadership. You know, I was leading and directing for years on tour as a performer. I was very qualified in, in the work that I was doing. So for me, I didn't like, I didn't have that thought. And I think it actually served me to be younger because I took more risk because I had less to lose. So you, so this is where young adults, I'm like, you guys like take risks because I was the only executive, okay, that didn't have kids and wasn't married. I only had to answer to myself. So that empowered me to speak up more because if they were going to fire me, it's like, doesn't matter. I'll find another job, but I'm going to stand up for what's right right? Where everybody else that was in leadership position, there was a fear there because they had three kids. They had four kids. They have, they had mouths that they had to feed and put food on the table. I didn't have that. So for me being younger, I actually played to that strength because when there were things that were happening in a company that happens in every company, I was able to say, I don't think that's right. And we need to look at that again. Like we need to come together on an executive team and recognize that that's not good for our people. That's not good for the team. And I was the only one that spoke up because again, I didn't have that fear of getting in trouble or losing my job. So I actually played to the strength that I was younger. Mm. Not enough people do that, by the way. There's mm. too many people that show up every day and they just don't say anything. And I think that that's part of the reason why we have so many different tra tragedies throughout the U.S., is people are bystanders and, and they watch instead of speaking up and speaking out. I'd love for you to go into when you were getting a divorce and you're like, I'm not going to let this affect me. I'm not going to let this be my new story. And you're like, I'm really going to make a comeback from this. What advice would you give someone who maybe is trying to make a comeback in their life right now? You have to recognize that the pain that you get from other people is their pain, not yours. Okay. So sometimes when people hurt us, Okay, remember this, hurt people hurt people. That's how it works. If they haven't done the healing, then they're going to pass the hurt on to you. Okay. So you have to recognize, does it belong to you or does it not belong to you? So the first thing I did before I started building Rise Up For You is really sit in the, the crap of it. Right. You know, and, and, and think about what just happened. What just happened? Because there was still shock and humiliation and embarrassment. So what just happened? What could I have done to prevent it? What, what was out of my control? What are the thoughts that are mine? And what are the thoughts that don't belong to me? And I really had to go through that experience mentally and do like the healing work myself. Didn't take me too long because I wasn't about to just sit there, right? But I went through it fast. Every day I was writing things down and I was going through the process. And then I was able to release what didn't belong to me. And then I was able to take ownership of the things that I did do wrong. Right. Because in every single situation, there's always I shouldn't say that because there are some traumas that happen that really are out of our control. But in some situations, specifically with divorce, there's ownership on my end, too. Right. Did I rush into the marriage where there's signs that I ignored? Did I ignore my intuition? All those things were a yes for me. So that was my ownership. Right. Then there's all these other things that happened that I was like, that's not that, those aren't my thoughts. That's not me. And so before I was able to like move and start building, I had to go through that whole entire process. Otherwise what happens is that it becomes you, right? And then all that negativity and all that energy you start to carry. And that's what happens as people is that we don't do the inner work when it happens. 
and then it formulates subconsciously. And then 10 years from now, we're saying things about ourselves that somebody else said 10 years ago about us. And then we kept it inside of us and now we adopted it as our own language. Right. So like I heard a, a, I, one of my clients two weeks ago, she was like, well, I just found out that I was really bossy. And I was like, stop there. Who told you that? She was like, well, my sister told me that I'm bossy. I'm like, that doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't mean it's true. What does bossy mean to you? So you see somebody said something to her and then she took that belief and she made it her own. And then two weeks later, she's like, I'm really bossy and I need to fix it. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Let's backtrack where this belief is coming from. So that's the kind of work that has to be done in order for you to like really rise up and move forward. Otherwise, what happens is we rise up, but we move forward with all this junk in our mind and all of this baggage. And that's what we don't want to do. And when you're coming up with the speech, do you rehearse ahead of time? Do you come up with it on the spot? Do you have note cards? How do you, what's your process like? It's an outline. It's just an outline. And it depends. Everyone's a little bit different. You know, like obviously you and I didn't prepare for this because it's an interview, right? So it's whatever question you throw, I throw back at you. But, you know, usually when somebody asks me to do a, a speech or a talk, they give me a topic, right? And then from there, I create an outline and then I go from there. Nothing is ever memorized except for a TED talk, right? But for the most part, when you're doing a speech, you need to have key points and outlines that you can follow. And what I like to call golden moments in a talk, golden nuggets, and a talk that people can like catch and hold on to, right? But other than that, you're not memorizing a whole talk because then it's not authentic, you know? And this goes back to remember playing to a room. So that's why you have to have some leniency in your talk because I could be in a room in front of 300 women and then midway through my talk, you know, I say, isn't that right, Janie? Because I, maybe I talked to Janie five minutes ago. And so doing things that are spontaneous and in the moment are very important to being a good speaker. So the only talk that I fully ever memorized was the TED Talk, and that's because you have to. If you don't memorize your TED Talk, you're in trouble. And what was your TED Talk about? Company culture. Company culture and personal well-being and how they go hand in hand, right? Because the reality is, and and maybe you can resonate with this, Sophia, right, is that 70% of the American workforce today, they hate their job. They are dissatisfied at work, okay? That's a big number. But the flip side is, is that companies are spending billions and billions of dollars trying to enhance company culture and like increase employee engagement, right? So the problem is from both ends, right? Companies need to do a better job of transforming the workplace, but people need to do a better job of showing up as a decent human being that's ready to be successful, to step into their success to like push their potential, right? And what's happening right now is like neither of it is happening. Companies are spending a lot of money to increase culture, but maybe people aren't doing the work. They're not doing the inner work. And like, you can't force people to change bad behaviors and patterns. And then there's the flip side where you have people that are really working on themselves and they're hungry for growth and they wanna be their best, but maybe that particular company isn't people focused. They're profit focused. And so then that affects the person, right? So the whole TED talk was on how both, both parties have to work together in order to really increase personal and company well-being. And how did you come up with the name Rise Up for you? Did it just come to you? Yeah. So when I was coming back from Canada, right, when I, got the, when I was getting the divorce, my father had passed away a couple years before that from a heart attack. And 
when I was on the plane, I was crying so much I fell asleep. And then he came to me in a dream and he said, just, you got to rise up and you got to rise up and do it. No one, no one's going to come knock on your door and give you your job back and your house and your car. And no one's going to do all of that for you. Now you just need to rise up for you and go out and make it happen and start, continue to like live your best life. Right. And that's what they've always taught us. And then I woke up and I, and I said to myself, rise up for you. There it is. That was a sign for me that I wasn't meant to go back and find a job. It was a sign for me that I meant to build something. I've always, I've always had an entrepreneur mindset, you know, a mindset of like building and creating and growing and investing. And so that was the moment that I woke up and I said, rise up for you. That's the name. That's what it's going to be. Because I believe that in order to make an impact on humanity, you have to rise up for you first. And there's too many people, there's too many influencers, there's too many leaders out there that are trying to change and inspire other people, but they haven't done the inner work themselves. And what happens is that we get a lot of hypocrisy, right? Right. Yeah. And then we get a lot of disloyalty and then we don't trust people. We don't trust politicians. We don't trust influencers. We don't trust our leaders because they're saying one thing, but then behind closed doors, we see something different or, and, and that doesn't work for us as humans. So I really believe if you want to make an impact, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be an influencer, you better darn well do the work for yourself too. And did you start building it right away? What programs did you start out with? And what was like the beginning like for you, for your company? The first thing I ever did was a podcast. It's the first thing I ever did. And the reason why I did that, because the podcast is free. And so my whole motive is I want to inspire and empower people around the world and be like inclusive. So every single human being globally can access a podcast and they can learn, get education, get empowerment. And whether you make a hundred dollars or a million dollars, you can access it. Right. And you can learn from it. And so I started with the rise up for you podcast, which we still have today. We have over almost 500 episodes where we interview experts from around the world, everywhere from India, Australia, the U S the UK, and we talk to them about personal professional development, right? Everything from entrepreneurship to health and fitness to self-worth and confidence to, you know, how you save your money and manage it financially well, you know? So that's really where I started. And then from there, I went into the event space. We did, you know, big Rise Up For You conferences every year, which we still do, right? We're doing it virtually this year because of COVID. So it's on November 7th. I always do it on the first Saturday of November. Um, And then from there, it it kept growing. Then we went into coaching, you know, corporate training, online programming. And from there, the, the umbrella expanded. And hosting an event like that, how do you really create the space and what goes into hosting an event? Like, how do you really create the space for transformation during the event? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it depends on what your purpose is. Like, what's what's your vision? What What is it that you're trying to do? For me, I wanted it to be, be very special so that every single person that comes in, they don't feel like a number. So I didn't want to do a 10,000-person conference like Tony Robbins. I wanted to do a conference with 125 people. That's it, okay? I can put them at intimate tables, right, where they can really connect and network and build relationships And also every single speaker that I had sat in the room with the participants. They didn't come from behind the screen. They didn't go off stage and then leave and be done for the day. 
they sat and it was a requirement in their speaker contract that you have to stay in the room and you have to show up at eight o'clock in the morning and stay the entire day unless there was an emergency and be in the room with us. And so like before you build a conference or before you build an event, you have to know like what's the experience that you want to create. You know what I mean? What is it that you want to create? And then from there you can formulate how you're going to do it. So for me, I like, again, I wanted it to be inclusive. I didn't want it to feel disconnected. I didn't want a speaker to walk on stage, do their talk and then leave. So I created a space where it was intimate, 125 people. They felt like a million bucks. We did a, like a beautiful brunch. So not like a box lunch, not a buffet, but where they were served like a gala, right? There was a huge swag bag. Every year we do big swag bags where there's a bunch of like journals and pens and different types of food and all kinds of jewelry. For the first three years, we gave real pearls to every single person in the room, man or woman. The men could take it back and give it to their wife. If you're a woman, you can, you can use it. You know, so like we wanted to really create a, a wow experience. Like I bet I've never been to a conference and gotten pearls, you know what I mean? So I, it just depends what you want to do. And then from there you can create it. So yeah, that's, that's what we did. And I wanted it to be engaging. The most, the only kind of transformation exists when there's engagement happening, experience happening, right? So when you just sit and you watch speakers for eight hours, you're not going to be affected in the same way if you are to get into a breakout session with the speaker and they're doing activities and they're saying, write that down, ask me questions, kind of like a workshop. And so I do both. I do both. I do the empowerment on the stage where you can sit there and just be wowed and take in you know, the empowerment. And then we do the breakout rooms where it's like, all right, get your journal out, get your pencil out. Let's break these things down. It's so special that you actually have a speaker stay the whole event. I've never heard of an event that actually has them like stay and sit down with them throughout the event. Wow. And we have major people. I mean, we fly people in, you know, we, we have actresses, we have comedians, they come Mm -hmm. and it's just part of it. When I say it in the beginning, I'm like, listen, I'm going to be transparent. This is the experience that we're looking to create. And my, the best part of it is when they're doing the activities, you know, when you see that actress that's on Baywatch, you know, the show from, you know, the nineties, I don't know if you know it or not, but because <laughs> you're younger, but when you have that actress from Baywatch that's in the room, that's sitting in the journal, that's writing down and reflecting on what another speaker is saying, that's magic because that's when people in the room say, wow, like that's really cool. I just saw that speaker go on stage and you know, they're a celebrity, but they're sitting in the room growing with us. That's a cool experience. And are there any like speeches that really stood out to you throughout your events? Yeah, there's um, Kathy Buckley is one. We're looking to bring her back this year. Um, I won't tell you her whole story, but go research her, Kathy Buckley. And another one is AJ Montgomery. And he's coming back this year as well. That's cool. Are you doing it over like Zoom or... How are you doing it? Yeah, we're creating a virtual experience. It's going to be a combination of things. It can't all be Zoom because of the lag time and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so we're working with our speakers to live stream where they are. You know what I mean? Because our speakers come from throughout the U.S., sometimes globally. So, yeah, but yeah, it'll be a very engaging experience. We're going to have like sponsor booths, coaching. Yeah. More than just Zoom because Zoom won't captivate enough yeah. for a conference. And are you planning on doing a live event next year? Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to do a live event, but because of everything with COVID right now, we have to be careful, especially in California. 
this isn't going to be gone in two months. You know what I mean? Okay. We're already going into September and the conference is November 7th. So at this point, it has to be something that's virtual. And what has your book writing journey been like? And what inspired you to write a book? So yeah, the book journey has been, well, I'll be honest and say like, it takes time. You know, people don't whip out a book in a couple months, you know, well, I guess some people can depends, you know, how committed and, and what you're doing. But for me, it took two years, it took me two years to write. It's right here. Actually, here's the book. Super, super proud of it, you know, but it took me two years to write the book because when I was building rise up for you, the company, the first year that I was building it two months after I came back from Canada, mind you, my mom was diagnosed with cancer out of nowhere. And she passed away within the first 10 months. So a lot of people don't know that the first year of building Rise Up For You was like the shit show year of my life. You know what I mean? It was going through the divorce. And then my parent, my last parent, because I had already lost my dad, was now diagnosed with cancer. And I was building the company in a hospital, sleeping in the hospital, building Rise Up For You. And so when I finished everything and my mom passed away, it took me six months to even just like get my head back on straight because there was just a lot of like sadness and trauma associated with her passing. And then that's when I said, I got to write a book. I got to write a book because the company still grew and the company still expanded. And so the whole point of the book is you can always overcome and not only overcome, but use your pain as fuel for growth use your pain as fuel for growth to move forward. So remember I said this earlier, it's not just about getting back up. It's can you get back up and positively move forward, right? Without all of like the junk and the baggage that's like weighing and like trying to pull you back. And so that's why I wrote the book. And the book is very, very strategic. So the first couple chapters is my story, obviously, you know, obviously more in depth than right here. But then I go into strategy. It's like, okay, so how do you get to your full potential? How do you close the potential gap? How do you live your life confidently? How do you build the success that you want on your own terms? Not on society, not by influencers. How do you live a life that you're proud of? And I break down a ton of strategy. There's workbooks. There's things that you can do in there to really, really move forward. And going back to starting to build your business while you were going through all that. How do you not let all that affect you and still continued with your business? Well, I wouldn't say it didn't affect me, you know, because everyone is human being. You're not, you're not a robot, right? We're all humans. (laughs) And so it's going to affect you. Right. But you have to know, again, it's that feeling of you got to find meaning, especially in dark times. So for me, I knew that, okay, I'm going through a dark time, but I'm not going to let go of the one thing that is positive. And at that point it was the company. Right. And we were already like, we were already inspiring people. Like our podcast was already global. We were already doing these things. So for me, it was recognizing that I need this right now as much as other people need this, because little did I know that as I was building it, I was going to go through this second situation. Right. And so I think those are the things that we have to think about is sometimes when we, when things happen to us in our life, we shut out everything else that's positive and we just sit in the crap and it's like, don't do that. Don't do that. You can feel the emotions. You can go through pain and still allow positive sources to be in your life to help move you forward. 
And so that's really what it was about for me. It was like, okay, I'm going through a lot of hurt right now with my mom because that triumphed the divorce. Like the, when my mom got sick, I was like, I don't even care about that right now. Like this is the most important thing, but you have to have a support system around you. That's positive and rise up for you. Was that for me? Right. Along with my family and that kind of thing. So don't let those things go. And a lot of times when we're in a hurt, we push other people away and they're the good source that you need. And what advice would you give to someone who wants to start like a personal development company, wants to do something similar to what you're doing now? Do your work, do your inner work, do your inner work. And I can only say that because we, so we coach, we work with a lot of companies. We do a lot of corporate training on company culture, kind of what I explained earlier, but half of our clients are one-to-one coaching. And most of our one-to-one coaching clients are coaches and consultants and small business owners, people that are building a business, right? They're entrepreneurs. And the number one challenge that I see with them, and we talk about this in our coaching, is you're building something that you haven't cultivated within yourself, right? So I have people that sit across from me and they're like, I want to be a confidence coach and I want to make people confident, but they're not confident. So I say, well, how are we going to go and teach confidence to people, take their money, teach them to be confident, but you haven't done that for yourself yet. How are we going to go and teach how to be, you know, a romance coach or a love coach or a dating coach, but you haven't done that for yourself yet. So my whole thing, and I will always say this is that before you go out and that's why I say rise up for you before you go out and start a personal professional development company, make sure you're doing that work too. Otherwise it's not an integrity with what you do. I can teach confidence because you ask anybody that's in my life, I'm confident. And I always will be because that's how I was programmed and that's how I was raised. And I built a whole blueprint on it and I believe in myself and nothing will take that away. So now I take that and I pass it on and it's not, it's not cocky. It's not, all those things that people put in society that they say like, oh, if you're too confident, well, that doesn't exist, right? But I can teach that because I've been able to cultivate it. So these are the things that we need to think about before we jump into an industry, right? A lot of people want to do life coaching. They want to, you know, inspire and impact others. And that's okay. But the second you ask for their money, you better walk the talk. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And what is something lighting you up right now? When you say light me up, what does that mean? Like what's something you're excited about? Life, people. That's my motivation. Yeah, when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm just excited that I have another day of breath. You know what I mean? And that to me is, I'm not going to waste that. So, you know, again, I lost both of my parents by the time I was 31. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, thank you, God, you gave me another day. Cool. Let me go use it to be my best. I don't need money. I don't need materialistic things to light my fire. Life and people light me up. And that's, that's what makes me work. And that's what brings me money. That's what brings me great community. That's what brings me prosperity and the work that I do, because I'm not searching for something more than just that. I think sometimes we complicate things and we're like, what are you passionate about? What motivates you? And sometimes the thing that motivates you is just life, period. doesn't have to be any more than that. And what's something you're learning right now? What's something that I'm learning right now? I mean, I think I'm learning every day. You know what I mean? I think for me, the thing that I'm learning most right now is scaling. You know, uh, I'm always learning in the business. 
You know what I mean? Because the business is always growing. And so when your business grows, then you have to grow to that next level of, hey, how do I scale, right? Then there's like new company policies that have to come into play. So that's very much a learning curve. Always. It's all, it always is. Yeah, I think, I think that's the main thing right now. And what is something that most people don't know about you? I broke my nose three times. Broke my nose three times, yeah. You wouldn't know that unless I told you. Yeah. <laughs> and if you had 10 minutes right now to come up with a speech, what would you want to talk about? Confidence. Yeah. Like I said, I think that's the greatest tragedy today is wasted human potential. And most people don't tap into their potential because they believe they're not good enough. Or there's a belief in them that they're not enough or they don't have self-worth or that they're going to fail and failing is bad. Many individuals hold themselves back. They might not know. It might be subconscious, right? But then the second you call somebody out and you say, why do you, why do you do that? Or why didn't you go for the job? Or why didn't you call and do this? Then they say, oh, well, and then that's where everything comes out. That's where the lack of confidence and the self-worth and the I'm not enough or I'm afraid to fail or the perfectionist mindset comes out. And if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give her? Be more empathetic. Yeah, be more empathetic. Because I didn't understand, like I said, when I was performing, I didn't understand that people didn't, you're not all raised the same. You don't all have the same experiences. So when I say that I was confident, I was confident, but I wasn't very empathetic to people that weren't right. So I, my thought was always, what's the problem? Like, what do you, why are you holding back? Why are you, why are you complaining? Why are you just do it? Right. That was always my thought process. Like, just do it. Stop, stop waiting and just do it. So I didn't really understand that everyone is different in their experiences and they process different too. And so how do you help empower them to move past that? Well, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Thank you. Where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I would love for you to head over to riseupforyou.com. I have a free gift that I want to send everybody. So I don't know if you could put it in the chat, Mm -hmm. but it's really all about confidence. It's a whole confidence kit for your career, just for life in general, for your success. So I could send that to you and then we can give it to people for free. And then I would love for people to check out the book. You know, you can go to Amazon, you can buy the ebook on Amazon, or you can go to netalina.com and buy the paperback and it gets shipped instantly. So yeah. And anywhere rise up for you on all media platforms. It's just the same or Netalina. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes, please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.